Ah, let's take that breath together. So grateful, so thankful to join together in the love of God as the love of God. Grateful and thankful to open our hearts and our minds to infinite intelligence, the healing that we desire. We're opening ourselves in willingness to experience it, to receive it, to recognize it, to know it, to feel it. We're truly grateful, truly thankful to consciously attune to the love of God. So grateful, so thankful that harmony is our true nature and we are, with every moment, becoming more harmonious, more our true selves. We're lifting our vibration high. We are grateful and thankful to come together in a healing dialogue for the purpose of more peace, more love, more joy, more clarity. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone, and we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. And I'd like to share something with you here. Uh, Jesse is not going to continue in our class and uh, but he he um i think he would be so happy if i shared this with you regarding um victor and his brother so um because i know he shared here before and not to leave you hanging um so victor was the two month old baby that um the foster care uh people asked jesse and chris if he if they would like to foster parent uh victor two months old and he had uh, multiple fractures he was in the hospital they brought him home from the hospital and uh, victor's parents who i guess are unemployed and live with one of their parents um the the grandparents and the parents had no idea how Victor could have had all these, I think it was 21 either fractures or broken bones in a two-month-old baby, and they had no idea how it happened um, is what they uh, were telling the officials. So um, uh, what they, what Jesse and Chris realized was that these parents also had a two month old, a two month old boy. And, uh, I, I guess because of what happened with Victor, the foster system took Tony out of the house as well. And so then Chris and Jesse, uh, looked at whether or not they could take the two boys, both of them, the two-year-old and the two-month-old. So here is Jesse's report. Uh, they took, they did take Tony, the two-year-old. He says, everyone over here is doing well. There's definitely a lot of work to do in supporting the health and healing of these boys, but we're making huge strides. Love truly is the great healer. The social workers have been really happy with the big steps both Victor and Tony have taken since being in our care. Uh, 
In fact, we just had an orthopedic checkup with Victor and all of his fractures have healed perfectly. There were 16 in total. Tony is a handful at two years old and definitely is healing some areas of trauma, but he's so receptive to affection. We're really focusing on socialization as there doesn't appear to have been much of that at all. There are a few programs that couple as childcare and play therapy that we're looking at enrolling in. Tony's a big boy and very energetic, so it's hard to remember that he's still a baby and sometimes just needs to be held and sang to. But he's really responding to loving affirmations. There's definitely signs of different kinds of abuse present with Tony, so we're being very patient and gentle. Children seem to heal so quickly. The biggest challenge is when we go meet with the parents, but the good news is Tony immediately comes to me when he needs comfort. This is a good sign. Due to the system, everything takes time to get paperwork in place. Uh, and so then he goes on and talks about um, feeling like he needs to really stay focused on these things and not be in class. And, and so that's why he's uh, withdrawing from Ascension Pathway at this time. So... Just wish to share that update with you because I know people were um, very interested in what's going on with them. Anybody have any thoughts or anything they'd like to share about any of that? All right. So um, let's see. So one of the things uh, I, I'd like to bring up, and Karen, I'm not sure if you're still there, but you had asked about reading the the book um, from um, Hawkins, David Hawkins. So I had sent out an email to everyone that uh, the year two class, it, we're, we're going to be discussing this in the year two class. Of course, you're welcome. Uh, and I would imagine that conversation will come up in this class as well. I am recommending that people read this book. I know people have already started to read it. And we can discuss it in class if you'd like. Um, I, I'm not looking for books to read in this class. Uh, but when books come that are very helpful and support us in doing our work, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be sharing them with you. And I, I'm excited about uh, this in, in our year two class. So uh, I'm not sure if that answers every question that you had about it, Karen. And then I saw that Rand also, I'm not sure what you, you were waving there. So Karen, did you want to? Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good morning. Um, yeah, so my question was, cause you had mentioned that you weren't going to be assigning books and you didn't have time to read yourself. And I know I don't have time right now to not so much time to read, but um, you had mentioned in one of your things that you spent all day reading emails and so on. And by the end of the day, and I'm really with you there. And um so if we were going to read this book, I have two questions. One, what was the guidance that recommended this book? And two, if we're going to read it, could we read it chapter by chapter and actually discuss it? Because we have 
had books in the past where we start and then we don't kind of stay with them. And so I never feel like I get from the books maybe the kind of discussion or amplification or enlightenment that might come. And three, you know, I keep coming back to if I were going to pick a book, I would still pick the workbook and A Course in Miracles because in our class we do so much beautiful sharing. And I think picking a lesson from the workbook and holding that in our focus and an attention and studying it as a group or something like that. So my fourth question is, I mentioned to you about the curriculum going forward. What is the curriculum for AP and where are we going maybe in the next month or two or something like that? Okay. Well, let's start with your first question again. Uh, what was that? What was your guidance for this particular book? So my guidance was this would be a good book to read in year two. Because? You know, I don't get guidance like that all the time. Sometimes I just get this would be a good book to read in in year two. And so the synopsis of the book, what is the, the meat of the, I haven't got the book, but what is the content of the book that might be helpful? It's about healing at all levels, applying the teachings of A Course in Miracles to heal mentally, emotionally, physically, etherically, spiritually at all levels. Really by working at the level of the mind, but understanding how it, it, um, that, that healing at the level of the mind permeates every part of our life. Okay. Yeah. Speaking for myself, what I wanted to say is that what I have learned from what you teach, which is living a course in miracles, has been so incredibly helpful to me, and I'm really feeling the harvest of it right now, that I'm not, I personally am not hungry for any new information. I am really getting being unbotherable. I am really getting releasing attachments. I am really getting writing forgiveness letters. There are so many things that I feel personally I am... I personally don't feel the need to get another book and, and have the assignment of reading that for the purposes of this group conversation or our dialogue. And, um, but if we were, and if the group wanted to, then could we read it chapter by chapter and, and actually talk about what we're learning from it? That was question number two. <laughs> well, I think what I said or what I intended to say, what I remember saying when we first talked about this in classes that we are going to be going in, in depth with this in the year two class. So year two class to me um, often has a strong focus on healing, physical, emotional, mental healing. And of course, all the years are about that. We're always, we're always looking at healing. And uh, in year two, to me, it's an opportunity after we have cleared so much judgment in year one now to really look at the, the the work that we're doing that our spiritual practice is actually healing and how does healing actually work so for a lot of people i find that until they've really discovered the power of healing at the level of the mind and had some healing experiences really cleared 
a significant amount of judgment, complaints, opinions, attachments, grievances, etc. They aren't really as able to truly comprehend how all healing could be at the level of the mind. So to me, in year two, there's this opportunity to really look at that. So a few years ago, we uh, we were looking at it through working with the uh, the sacred flames and looking at karma. And uh, one year we were looking at it through uh, Quimby's work on healing. And uh, I hadn't read this book at that time. I hadn't looked at what Hawkins was teaching about healing, but having uh, looked at what Hawkins is sharing about teaching and uh, healing and the application of A Course in Miracles in healing, I thought, oh, this is the perfect book for us in year two, and it'll be very complimentary for the year three and Ascension Pathway people who are Course in Miracles students, who are interested in in this level of quantum healing, the healing at the level of the mind. So it would be um, of interest to everyone along the way. And, uh, but my guidance really came just as uh, very simple as it often does without a whole lot of explanation. But once I started to really look at it, I, I got how it could apply. So in terms of what we do with it in Ascension Pathway, my feeling is we can do what we'd like with it. Um, so what I'm encouraging people to do who feel called to do it is to just start reading the book and then we'll see how it unfolds. There are some points in it that, um, or, hmm, there are some points that I feel we're called to discuss that the material in the book will add insight and clarity to. Um, if people wanted to discuss it chapter by chapter in Ascension Pathway, we could. I don't know that we're going to do that in year two um, because it's unfolding. Um, and I, there have been years in the past where I thought that it would be wonderful to discuss a book chapter by chapter, but people didn't really respond to that, and so I backed away from it. And there have been times that there were books that I dearly loved, so inspired by, that people in class were not that inspired by. Topics of discussion that I thought we would spend months on, people didn't have any questions or have any real enthusiasm for it, which is fine. So I don't feel like I always know where we're going to go, and I certainly do not know what the curriculum is beyond we are awakening, we are ascending. So it's easier for me in year one and year two class to, and even in year three sometimes, to say, okay, this is what it feels like we're going to be spending the next couple of months on. Uh, but I find that that's less true in uh, Ascension Pathway. So I, I, can't, I can't tell you that because I don't have it. I don't have it yet. Sometimes I have it and sometimes I don't.
So, um, I'm open to discussing it chapter by chapter, but I don't feel that's what we're going to do here. And so I would say to everybody, just read a few chapters and, you know, read the first two chapters and then see where you, where you feel uh, about it. I see you there, Carla. I want to go to Rand and then we'll come back to Karen too. I just wanted to say about chapter two of that book, it is so extraordinary. So Karen, get the book, read chapter two, even if you don't understand his idea of this scale, but just see how it changed his life. This was a very inspirational book for me. And uh, I, I think you should take a look at it. I think you'd get some value out of it. Tremendous value, let's say. <laughs> Carla, thank you, Rand. Yeah, thank you. That's all I was going. I was going to chapter two, but say that again. I didn't quite hear you. I was I was agreeing that chapter two was really. Um, There's something scratchy with your microphone. I I'm, I'm it's a little muffled and scratchy. Is it better? Much better. I just so. Um, I felt that chapter two, that's all I was saying, chapter two was very impactful. I saw so just say my response to it is that I realized how impactful the mind is and how I'm not even aware of a lot of hidden or whatever subconscious whatever it is beliefs that I have and I realize I'm making feel tears coming up because I'm I'm real it's a good thing I'm realizing how interested I have been in all my judgments and they seem valid when I look at the world and I validate them that way and that's my pattern I validate my beliefs by what I see. And it's been so important to, for me to realize that there are no judgments. No, absolutely no judgments. It doesn't matter what other people do or what is happening. There are absolutely no judgments that are ever valuable to me. Ever. And I, I just, I don't know, this chapter helped me I really realized that I've been realizing that but it helped me see that that is true and that is at the level of mind to, to investigate that and to let them go it's so important that's like I don't want to say it's everything but everything grows from that I think not everything maybe that's not everything and nothing is not but it feels like so much grows from that. So that's all. Thank you, Carla. Do you want to add anything to that, Rand? You don't have to. I just felt maybe you did. No, like I say, it's it's. I I, I don't know if everyone here has read that book or not, but uh, that particular book inspired me to really get through. I've never been able to get through all the course lessons. 
the workbook lessons. Uh, David, has, David Hawkins has inspired me. He says, because of all the changes that happened in his life, uh, it was so inspiring to me that I'm going to get through it this year. <laughs> so anyways, uh, it was an inspiring book, and I hope other people choose to, to look at it. Thank you. So I'd like to, I'll come back to you in a minute here, Karen. So one of the things that I'm looking at in this ministry and in my life is I am crystal clear now, um, which I, it's been evolving, but it really came clear last year that what I feel called to do is to support the people who would like to support the people. And so I feel most called to support the people who are supporting their families, supporting their communities, supporting their clients as counselors and teachers and whatever, uh, nurses and doctors and all kinds of helping professions. And supporting the people who feel called to a light worker profession in having the courage and the strength and developing the skills uh, and confidence to go forth and do what they are called to do, to answer the call. Um, I wish that that had really been provided to me at the level that I feel called to offer it. And I'm discovering that pathway. And uh, in, in this ministry, what I'm seeing is I'm exploring what, what would be the curriculum for a teacher slash minister. What, what really is the curriculum for a prayer practitioner? One of the things that I'm seeing is that uh, for the teacher ministers, the spiritual counseling program is part of it because there's so much learning that happens when people sit with client after client after client and observe the patterns of the mind and how they, they manifest as people's life experience and their belief, their beliefs are, are coming up for healing. There's so much personal learning that happens that they can then teach from. And I see that the, the ministers in my life, the teachers in my life who haven't done a lot of counseling, I don't see them as, um, having as much clarity as those who've done a lot of counseling. That's my observation so far, generally. And, for me, what we're doing is we're healing. A Course in Miracles is a healing program. It's about healing at the level of the mind so that you can be free. And the more we do the, the, the practice of A Course in Miracles and the more we live it and apply it and heal our minds, the more we're less interested in trying to figure out how to manifest uh, the things we want in our life, the more we are seeing that what, what it, we are experiencing, what we are manifesting is perfectly designed for our spiritual growth, for our sharing our gifts and talents with the world. And that's a beautiful thing. So I'm really feeling to call to make the year two of Masterful Living about healing. And 
I'm looking for how in the whole Masterful Living curriculum, how do I also do a whole section on um, prosperity consciousness? Because light workers who are still carrying vows of poverty embedded into their field, that that is also needs to fall away. It's about lack and limitation. So the healing at the level of the mind is very much about healing a belief in lack and limitation. And so my sense has been that if we are doing the deep healing work, in year two and really looking at the healing, but we don't take it through into year three and into ascension pathway, the there's going to be, it's going to be out of balance. So I don't read, uh, I don't read books to, to read books. Some people read books for entertainment. That's not me. I don't do that. I read books because I feel called or guided to read a book. Um, and I read Hawkins' Power Versus Force back in the 90s. Uh, and when Wayne Dyer first started talking about it. And... I've not felt called to read any of his books since. But this one, yes. This one, yes. So that's that's uh, where I'm feeling uh, about it. I don't know if I answered all your things, Karen, and I don't know if you if you would like to share anything more. No, I think that that's a wonderful answer. That that really helps fill in the blanks for me. Uh, and thank you, Rand, for the recommendation. And Carla, uh, yeah, um, I'll be glad to get it. And I'm happy to read chapter two. Um, I uh, I love being a light worker. I love doing the release and clear at night with Shelley. I am completely committed to waking up and first thing in the morning, dedicating my life to God Inc. and to being of service. And I am totally aware of being uh, in my personal life, um, a teacher of God demonstrating the characteristics in that section that I, you know, the section on trust and so on so much so that this week, um, I found myself praying with the woman from the company who completely botched some work here in our house. She said she, she felt like she got heart sick every time she saw my name there. And I kept saying, I'm never going to yell at you. I'm never going to scream at you. And then we started talking about the spiritual path. And I had a beautiful, holy encounter with this woman I've never met because they botched it so bad that they just all are feeling really bad. I said, no problem. Wow. Same thing with my realtor. The things, this is what's happening here is hilarious and absolutely hilarious. The number of things that are, um, so I've been so grateful for, for identifying and releasing attachments, but also 
demonstrating with my realtor. She keeps saying, oh my God, I can't believe this. And I say, please, no need to worry. Everything is fine. And so I'm thrilled to read more on healing. I am ecstatic about using the lessons. I'm ecstatic about this class, about this community and um, prayer partnerships. So I just wanted more amplification about all that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get it before. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for your questions. Always good to ask me questions for more uh, insight or what am I thinking? Because um, truly one of my biggest, biggest issues is that I don't realize that I haven't made things clear. I really, it's just, it's a recurring issue. I think I've over-articulated things and people uh, are saying, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're saying here. It's strange to me because I feel like I'm talking all day long, but it's still an issue um, that comes up with my family, with uh, the team that works with me. And um, so I, I just really appreciate any questions that I get that ask me, what are you thinking? <laughs> It's a good thing. It's always a good thing. Uh, anybody have anything else they'd like to share on this topic? All right. So, um, in uh, the Stop Playing Small, retreat uh, last week, something kept coming up and coming up and coming up and I got for us to talk about it in our class here. So in the, uh, in the stop playing small retreat, what one of the things I found myself talking about is something that I talk about in year one of Masterful Living. And we don't spend a lot of time on it, but it's that when people are in their formative years, so in that first, let's say, 15 years of their life or so, uh, there is an association that people make with what the vibration of their home is, what the vibration of love is, what the vibration of mom is, what dad is, uh, and it, it really impacts their life. Uh, I don't know if you all re recall, but in 2015, I think it was, we were talking about this, looking at, in year one class, we were looking at what was the, that tonal quality or vibration that dominated in the home. So for some people it's sadness, for some people it's guilt, for some people it's anger, for some people it's fear, right? It depends on what's going on with their primary caregivers what that dominant tonal quality or vibration or feeling is in the home. 
And what happens for people is it becomes what feels like normal to them. And in, in, I think it was in 2015, uh, there was someone in the class that his parents were refugees, right? His family were, ref he was refugees with his sister, with his parents, and he talked about it in class. And uh, uh, his name is escaping me right this second, but some of you may remember his name. Um, and what he realized in the class was that he and his family, even though it had been decades since they were refugees, they were still living their life in the vibration of, I'm a refugee. And so it was that vibration, that, that, that sense, that energetic of being a refugee was informing their dis decisions, their choices, and how they were living, even though it had been, let's say, 20 years since they were in that refugee experience. They now were, they, you know, lived in their homes for a while, and that, that experience was long gone, but not to them emotionally and mentally. They were still living it, and every day. And that, for him, was a very huge realization that he was not a refugee anymore. His parents were not refugees anymore. That experience was in the past, and they could stop living as though it were still continuing. And once he realized that, he made major changes in his life and a whole new level of comfort and stability and relationship, friendship changes, job changes, all kinds of changes happened and occurred because he made that mental shift, realizing that he was re he and his family were all recreating that vibration on their own. No one was doing it to them. So one of the things we were looking at in the Stop Playing Small retreat last week was, are you carrying forward into your home now as adults and into your family now as adults that vibration that you had when you were a child? Is there a, is there a, um, a relationship to whatever that, I, I like to say tonal quality or vibration, that feeling that dominated your home when you were a child, is it still operating in your life? So for me, it was, um, I, I had this sense that, that I would be judged at, at, at every moment I was being judged. That's the way I felt when I was a child. I felt that my parents loved me, but they were also judging me and criticizing me all the time. And I felt that that's what love was. Love is judging and criticizing all the time. That you're always watching the people you love so they don't screw up, so they don't make mistakes, so they don't lay themselves wide open for other people to judge and attack them. You're trying to protect them from the judgments of the world by judging them privately in the home. Constantly. Constantly. And I do mean constantly there's always a judgment to be had and so that i i i grew up and i wouldn't have described to you that i was 
being raised in a fearful environment or that there was a lot of fear. But now I can see, oh, yeah, heck yeah, there was a fear of being judged in every moment, in every moment. And I see now in my interactions with my brother that if he's, he projects onto me from time to time, he thinks by what I'm sharing that I'm judging him. And I'm not at all. It's not even in my realm of thought. I'm just sharing something I learned. And he's thinking, no, you're thinking I'm doing it wrong. And I'm really like, no, I just, I, I never thought to do that before. I just learned something and I'm sharing it with you. I'm not judging you at all. So being able to recognize, are you recreating that are you still carrying with you? Is it still in your field, that vibration that was difficult or pervasive in your family? And sometimes we've had real conversations about that. But looking at it from this standpoint of what if we just look at it as it's a vibration, Instead of thinking about it for a second as a thought pattern, just looking at it for a moment here, is it a vibration? In the Stop Playing Small retreat, what I was sharing with people is you can have all kinds of ahas and insights. You can have the information about spiritual growth and healing. But if you're not able to make that vibrational shift and feel comfortable at the new vibration, you're going to keep going back to that lower vibration. And that was something that I didn't see for a long time. I started to really, I think, grasp it through working with many clients. So that's why I, I talk about it in year one. But sometimes I think people miss it because I don't spend a lot of time on it. Um, a Course in Miracles doesn't talk about vibrations, but for me, it's very helpful to be able to even conceptualize it by thinking about it as a vibration or a tonal quality. So one of the ways that I've helped to transform the lower vibration or that, that um, feeling is through working with the deep desire of the heart. That exercise of the deep desire of the heart, coupled with doing the release of judgments and the forgiveness works, has helped me to, to much more quickly shift my vibration. And that's why I think people in Masterful Living are healing much faster than I have, because they're, they're using these tools to uh, consistently and concertedly shift that vibration, not just their thinking, but actually shift the vibration. Um, because one of the things we do in our home is by the colors we use, by um, the, the way we set things up, we can unintentionally, or not unintentionally, unconsciously, recreate things from our environment in childhood to have a sense of security and familiarity 
but it may actually be contributing to our maintaining that vibration, that feeling, that tonal quality of the past that we actually would prefer to heal and let go of and transform. Does what I'm saying make sense to you? So what I am going to invite you to do is to, in the big group, I'm not going to do a breakout. It feels like doing it in the big group would be most helpful to us in in uh, understanding ourselves. Does anybody really recognize that there was an emotional quality, a tonal quality, a vibration, uh, an energetic that was very strong in your childhood home that you're aware of, a strong, strong emotion. Elena. Yes. Um, it was a lot of anger, but this seems to get healed last year. Some of you know it. And now I came to this vibration of strong vibration of fear. So I, I literally, I, I can really feel it. I grew up in communist Russia where we like, we are not supposed to speak out and we like, especially not outside of home. And I have difficulty being like, I have this willingness and deep desire in my heart is to be light worker, but I would withdraw myself and I literally look at my husband. He is so authentic. He would share anything he thinks. He grew up in completely different vibration, different society. And I'm really very, very interested in healing this. So this was a fear of talking, you know, of, of, of speaking what you think. Like you literally, I feel the part of my brain controlling the other part so that I would not like say something which I am not supposed to, you know? Yes. And this is very, very heavy thing. I'm like, it's coming from a childhood, this vibration. I'm very, very interested in healing this. Yeah, I so appreciate you sharing that, Elena. So you know how I talk about underneath anger is fear and underneath fear is the hurt or sometimes the sadness. Uh, and so I, I can really relate to this because I was so angry as a child. My father was angry. My mother was angry. And underneath that anger was the fear. Right. So, and all the judgment was try, to try and protect us from uh, the judgment of the world. The inner judgment was to protect us from the outer judgment. So it was all about fear. And then all that judgment created so much hurt. And that's why we were angry all the time because we were attacking each other all the time. We all felt so hurt. But we were attacking each other because we were afraid of the world attacking us. Yeah. It's like it says in A Course in Miracles that your attack thoughts are um, you're, you're defending yourself is you're, you're just you're perceiving an attack in the world is an excuse for your desire to attack. You're perceiving being attacked is an excuse 
for your wish to attack. So that was completely wrapped up in my family. So what I'm hearing you say is you're, you've peeled back the layer of anger. Now you're looking at the fear and maybe a way to speed this along is to, to really go to the hurt. And to look at the hurt in your family, as you've, you've shared, I know you shared with uh, some, some of us that, you know, related to situations in your, uh, in your youth with your dad and, and et cetera. Yeah, this is one thing. But what I'm looking at now is more really collective. It was, uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm, it's, um, this, my country went through the years of like, literally, I think 20 million people were sent to Gulag and one of them was my great grandfather. That's where it's coming. It's coming from like you speak your truth, you go and you never come back, you know, and this is sadness. My grandfather was for his whole life. He didn't even know where he, his father just disappeared. So he was looking for him. He just wanted yeah. to know how he died, where he died. That's a lot underneath. And it's, it's a whole, it's really collective. Like it's um, this vibration. And I'm honestly really, I'm getting really interested in this because I uh, have some ideas. I think I'm going to teach also in Russia as it's my country. And uh, it's uh, the, the things that I just feel when I deal with Russians, I literally feel, I think my vibrations shifted. And I feel this, and I would like to heal it in me so that it can go there as well. So if I got, like, the sadness of actually nation, which is somehow, like, uh, killing itself, because it was the best part of a nation which was just d destroyed, you know, this is the sadness of it. You know, we didn't need a World War Second in order to destroy the whole nation. We just did it ourselves, like, right. that's, that's the sadness of it, and this is in my, in my, in my personality somehow, this part, like, I, I don't need others to destroy me, I can literally, you know, that's, that, that's the pattern. Yes. So how can I deal with this? Hmm. I, this to me is, powerful, very, very powerful, what you're bringing up and what you're asking about. Because it was in the story with my father, everything is connected to this. My grandfather from my, like my father's father, he was a big communist leader. And so he was from the part of those who were sending others to prison, you know, and from another. So it's like, so my father was a victim of the whole system because he obviously couldn't deal with, like he was lost. He was very mm -hmm. sensitive. I feel very connected to him now. Mm -hmm. So this is. Uh, and you still have it going on in Russia. Yes, 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 exactly, exactly. Like, it's, it's so funny because people were sharing that, like I said that Putin falsified his election and I said, no, my mom went 
before in advance she voted for Putin because like she's so afraid and the the candidates who wanted to be against Putin they literally didn't have a chance to get even a, a place to present their program because people are afraid to rent a room room for for them you know so he doesn't have any opposition he cannot have right. the fear of a nation is so huge so this is the and i know i carry it with me you know it took me years to start speaking here openly you know you know me most of you <laughs> i now i do and i enjoy it i'm learning it i i'm overcoming this fear but i would like to do it more yeah you know because to be a light worker and i'm called to be from my whole heart everything you were saying i was like this is every word was and i would like to step up and speak my truth more just this this has to be killed my i will just close the window one thought i i have for you elena is um and this is intellectual so i just i'm identifying it as that because on a spiritual level i feel you know what to do and you are doing it uh but it may be of interest to maybe talk with Lars because Germany has been so you know Germany gone from one extreme to another and that's been a journey and uh Lars could tell you about some of those shifts in uh and changes and how that occurred and uh Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right. And then we'll come back to you Carla. I just would like to add it's very interesting actually I was at the unification of Germany I was present in Berlin. I witnessed I was a witness of all these events. This was really a very interesting thing because I discovered the same things in my personal life because me and my brother were so different. I'm more the gentle adapted one, he was the fighting one who always caused a lot of trouble and problems and I see this pattern reappearing in my private life with my two sons. It's really interesting how the collective and the personal life are intertwined. It's really interesting it's really mm. powerful to realize it mm. beautiful part of this huge mechanism of changes beautiful yeah so i i invite you to to uh talk about it and and Lars may even know some some books or some particular pieces of history to look at to understand how the consciousness shifted in Germany. Carla. I'm really don't first I want to say I'm going to share about my own but I really feel that it's very 
very connected to what you share, Elena. So I don't understand the whole over the whole big picture. Maybe you've seen that more of it, but in my experience in my childhood, I was experienced a smaller version of what of what that and don't speak, don't think, don't be yourself. You have to be whatever you have to be to be accepted. To be accepted into the what's safe and stuff. And I didn't even realize it until I just heard you realize it that I've been a real vocal person in MLC for years. And I realize now that's what I'm healing. I'm healing that. And I remember when there's community call that you were in and you weren't speaking. And I said, please, I would be interested in you sharing. And I really, I heard from you. Maybe this is my interpretation, but I heard from you that you felt encouraged by me to share yourself. So, so what came to me is it is happening. I don't even know it's happening, but my story is shifting. And because I shifted you and your story is shifting. So I really get that sometimes we think we want to do stuff. And that's important to be guided to do that. And I feel that you are doing it because it's all been actually holding. It's so, I see it's so beautiful. And so, I don't know, but I just want to be encouraging and that if ever there's anything that I can do to help you, support you, because I feel we're already doing that. We're already doing that. So, but, you know, I'm just, that's all I want to felt prompted to say. Thank you, Carla. Yeah. You encouraged me indeed. Carla, you have encouraged many, many people to share. You are a great encourager. Yes. Yes. And you, you help a lot of people to stop judging themselves by your sharing. Tremendous. Thank you. Maybe that's, that's so viral because I think I've always wanted to be like a teacher. You know, I wanted, I wanted to teach and share and like, I don't have, it's, that's what I'm doing. By yes. just being myself. Yes. That's, that's, I think that'll happen for everybody. Yeah, that's how I started. For sure. I couldn't be quiet anymore and I started to share and encourage other people to share and yeah. Who anybody else like to share any recognition that you have about your home, Rich? Or no? There you go. Good morning. Um Happy to have this opportunity to, to share with this group and to hear this uh, beautiful uh, uh, commitment that people have. Uh, this uh, actually was real relevant to me in terms of uh, uh, what we've been going through with <laughs> the, uh, the our house and just um, 
so many things, uh, I guess the appropriate way to say so many opportunities to learn uh, in a different phrase, I'd say so many things that have gone wrong, uh, but uh, I try to reframe that and understand that these are all things, but in, in regard to the sort of the heritage or the culture that one brings into it, it causes me to reflect back how much um, conditional love was in my family growing up and how much, uh, um, uh, how much I felt judged and smart kid and I always did well but it was kind of like you're only okay. forgive me one second there's a leaf blower right outside I'm just gonna um keep going I can hear you I'm just gonna shut my window okay so so it really has to do with this sense of sort of conditional love you're only okay if you Things, uh, your tests, if you're smart, if you're, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. And uh, a lot of, well, my dad was very, uh, he was a people person, he was a musician, he, but he was very short tempered. And if things didn't You've gotten softer, Rich. Okay, well, example. Um, so, um, <clears throat> So I, I think there was just a lot of the uh, threat of punishment and uh, sometimes physical punishment, sometimes not. But I think I've carried into it a lot of the uh, conditional, conditional love for myself, I guess, conditional sense of things don't go right, then it's my fault, and then I get defensive about that. So. This is what's happened to us in the house with all, all these things that have gone wrong and all of them pretty much out of my hands, really. I mean, I, uh, although I could blame myself in terms of whether we kept maintenance on it enough, but, and then just trying to move through it. But it, it, I really have difficulty making a fun experience. You know, Karen has much better at making it a, a, fun, a fun experience or an opportunity to learn. I'm much more in fear and anxiety about it. And, um, so just uh, stay with that sense to understand that. Uh, and then the other thing is then if I feel Karen or anyone is unhappy with me about the way I'm behaving, then I get really even more threatened by it and um, look for approval there. And it's not there, it's worse. So I know that I need to look to God and keep an eye on Jesus and do the do the lessons and so forth to stay balanced uh, and at peace in this opportunity to learn. So that's really my, my thoughts. It's a, been a challenge. Uh, hopefully it's an opportunity to learn, obviously. I, I'm at the point where I'm really struggling to hear you now, yeah. just this last part. It's okay. <laughs> well, it, I'd like to be able to hear you, though. Is anybody else having trouble hearing him? Yeah, well, that may be the nature of the problem, isn't it, you know? So um, I'm not speaking loud enough. I don't speak clearly enough so people can't hear me. So I guess that's me. You know? um, but it, it is the nature of the problem. Well, let me ask you, Rich, uh, what is your intention now, now, 
with the things in the house? What's your intention? Well, I guess in honesty, my intention is, is to try to move through this. You know, I'm pushing through density and I'm, you know, really trying to get this all done so we can get out here on Tuesday and, and move on. And I know that at uh, many levels that's looking for, um, that's looking for relief in, 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 in the outside world and not in the inside world. I get all that. It doesn't seem to help me sometimes to get it, but I get it. Um, and um, I just, I don't really know what else to say about it. Well, I know for me, when it feels difficult, that one of the things I can do is I can focus on my intention. Because when there's a lot, uh, if, you know, moving, my grandmother used to say that they say war is hell, but it's actually moving. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I see pe some people laughing about that. And uh, what my experience has been is that, like everyone else, I can sometimes get overwhelmed by what's going on in the physical realm. And one thing for you and Karen to factor into your experience right now is there's something that's happening on a physical level in terms of moving, moving out of that house, but there's an energetic that's also happening that's really important to recognize. So how long have you lived in that house, Rich? Uh, in this house, 36 years, 36 years maybe, something like 36 that. 36 years. Mm -hmm. So how old were you when you moved in? Well, how old was I? I moved in 81, 40, 50, I don't know, something in that range. Um, so you've lived almost half your life in that house, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. And how old is your oldest child? See, you're gonna ask me embarrassing questions. Uh, how old is Jenny? Forty-five, I think. Forty-four, Jenny, Karen said. Yeah. So all the things that have happened in that house related to your family and your children, your marriage, all of these things. And it is a major energetic shift to move out of that space. You know, I, I really understand why you would say that, but that is not at all where it is with me. Not at all. Uh, I don't have any problem with any of that. What I have a problem with is uh, people, do, you know, in this case, this is all external. So this is a challenge to me. I get all that, but, that somebody comes in and and screws up the job in our house and damages our house. And I guess it, it's connected there because I feel like the house is like an entity and someone's abused it and violated it. And then uh, it seems almost helpless to do anything about it, which we actually have finally gotten some things resolved. But it just, 
like maybe it's self-blame. I, we started out in this. Our house was fine. We were living in the house and uh, decided to sell it because of just having two houses. And then people find all these things wrong with it, you know, and which I guess is isomorphic with me. I find all things wrong myself. And um, and then people are, you know, we pay a lot of money to try to have it fixed and people screw that up and it gets worse and worse and worse and, uh, you know, try to undo it. And then you, yesterday we're moving all the furniture out and all the pictures off the wall. And, you know, it's just like a violation, you know, it's like when our beautiful house is gone, you know, and, um, and I'm happy to go, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel that connected. I'm looking, really looking forward to being in Rhode Island in our situation, but, um, and, you know, and we probably take on too much. We try to do all this backing ourselves and, um, yeah, it just is a never and it's like uh, the old we we read about some people may identify a thing called Swedish death cleaning. Has anybody heard of Swedish death cleaning? This is what they do in Sweden and there's a book out and the NPR had a thing out about it where in Sweden they when they get to be a certain age, they, they declutter their house, they get rid of their stuff so they don't put it on their kids, you know. So it's <laughs> called Swedish and there's a book out right now that's kind of popular, Swedish death cleaning. So it's kind of that sense, you know, you but it's never ending. There's so much stuff in this house. I mean, today we put all the art we want to keep out in the living room, and it's like enormous amount of art. <laughs> we're going to get it, and what we're going to do when we get it there. So it's, it's um, I don't know. Well, these things are overwhelming, right? And life is a mixture of things that are triggering our issues so they can come up for healing and also a manifestation of our, our beliefs and our thoughts. Uh, it's a combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Karen and I get into it because she's got a much more optimistic, happy uh, attitude than I have, and she's not, doesn't like that I don't, you know, so. I'm a drag, you know, I'm, a, you know, uh, dragging her down, you know, it's not, it's not healthy, I don't make my effort, but it's hard to be, I find it hard to be excited and happy and buoyant about this kind of a situation, you know, it's more like, this, I know that's my own decision, and she reminds me that, um, that I could decide to be happy and buoyant about the fact that uh, somebody injected foam into my duct work and, my electricity went out, you know, just on and on. It's just, I find it very difficult to be happy and buoyant and cheerful and optimistic, you know. So. You've got to feel what you're feeling in order to move through it and not disrespect yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truly, we have to honor where we are with our feelings. You know, and Karen don't have to be a match all the time, you know. No, it became, it, it really became very, you know, aggressive at some point of just feeling, now I don't feel that way now because we've got most of it resolved, at least the best we can do. But when it first all happened, it was like, I, I didn't know what to do. It's just like curl up in a ball, you know, uh, and, uh, and be tearful. And I don't, I don't, I unfortunately judge myself badly about that as well. So I have to, you know, try to release that. And, you know. 
anyhow, it's 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 a lot. But it is a lot. Back to your original thing, that's, you know, that's what I started to talk about was just that sense of conditional love, conditional, you got to do, you know, good to be cared about. And, um, you know, I, my dad, I never understand. I think back about him, you know, he used to say really crazy, verbally abusive things like he used to say to us, Four boys, right? So he used to say, I'm going to rip your arm off and beat you with a bloody end. That's what he used to say, you know. And at the time, he's kind of, you know, think, oh, well, you know, just guy talk, you know. But it, but I think to myself, why would he say something like that? <laughs> why would you say something like that to a little kid? I mean, it's just, it's, it's astonishing to me sometimes, you know. You know, he would threaten, we'd go out and get in trouble as boys would and would be out someplace and he'd say when you get home you're going to get a beating so you get in the car and maybe you have an hour to drive home you don't know whether he's really going to do it or not because sometimes he did sometimes he didn't which is as a psychologist i know the worst kind of he's intermittent you know and you don't know you know are you going to get a beating or you're not going to get a beating and so the anxiety over whether it's going to happen or not is awful you know i mean it's like if you knew it was going to happen it's like okay i'm going to get a beating or no i'm not but you know not knowing was just Horrible, horrible. So, and it's, that's what this, you know. So, you know, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And Karen says, and I read in the course, and I read in Jesus Calling, and I read in all the things we read. All things work out for the best. This is all or a plan for your best outcome. And I really <clears throat> try every day to. I mean, I really took you to think about the birds. I mean, you can't stop the birds, but they don't have to nest in your hair. I've been saying that for like two weeks now, trying to keep the birds out of my hair because, you know, it's really difficult. I can't seem to keep the thoughts out, but at least I can say I don't want that thought. I'm, you know, don't get into my hair. Don't. I'm not having you in for coffee, and yet it's still it's, it's a big struggle. And uh, and sometimes it gets the best of me. You know, so, yeah. That's that's my share today. <laughs> yeah, moving is uh, a huge amount of triggers. Yeah. It just is. It's a huge amount of triggers. No, maybe not for everybody. Maybe not for everybody. It, that kind of thing is for me. Mm -hmm. I get triggered when I'm packing for a long trip. Mm -hmm. I do. I, I start to feel... And anxiety that comes up. It's a control issue for me. But I also have this thing that I don't know what, I guess it's from this much tension. You know, my, one of my major intentions in life, whether it's what I'm doing is to relax. You know, I want to say I want to relax. So I want to, we're on a trip or something. I want to stop early and have a good meal and sit down in the hotel room. Karen wants to drive. You know, later, it's not important. To me, having a good meal is important. To me, being able to sit down and watch the TV show is important uh, or something, you know. Um, and I think this sense, you know, I've always tracked it back when we were kids and I came home from school when I was grade school. We had paper routes. <laughs> and my brother and I would take the papers around on our bikes and deliver them. And we came home from school and we didn't want to go out right away. We just wanted to sit and relax and everything. And my mother started getting calls from the neighbors, you know, where's my paper? Your kids haven't brought my paper. So she's yelling at us, get out there and get the papers out. Get going, get going, you know. And it was just, just 
this sense of tension that came out of like, I just want to relax here, bro. I just came back from school. I want to relax. Nope. Get in your bike and get out there. You know, people, there's not, she was trying to be mean to me. She, people were calling her on the phone. And saying, Where's my paper? So she's trying to take care of herself by telling us to get out there and do our work, which we did. But I guess these things leave their residual. Well, you know, Rich, there's that. And also, uh, I know that I, I really witnessed this in the masculine. Mm-hmm that like they like to come home from work or school and have an interim period where they're adjusting from one environment or one requirement to a new one. Yeah. This, this is the genesis of happy hour. This is why people go to bars after work, you know, I don't do that. I never have done that. But that, but I know lots of people that do. You know, they just after work they go down, they have a couple of beers, then they go home. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I agree. That's and I, I'm sure it may be true for all people, but maybe more for men than women. Yeah, uh, because I think women just make an adjustment faster or easier mm-hmm. from one kind of thing to another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So honoring that is really important. Like I've learned with the men in my life, when they come in through the door, that's not a good time to start a conversation with them. Let them come in. Maybe they're going to change their clothes. Maybe they're going to read the paper for five minutes or they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And then I can have a conversation with them. Just give them, you know, 20, 30 minutes to shift gears before I start asking them questions. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and I would ask for everybody to be prayerful and send us prayers to get the yeah. learn and move through this experience and I'm sure it'll be fine. Tuesday morning we'll be on the road heading east. So one way, one way or another. Yeah. So I would like to speak if you're done. Yeah. I love the opening of this topic about identifying vibrations that we grew up with. And I, what's really helpful to me right now is to recognize that I was born with my divine assignment. And Rich was born with his, and Carla with hers, and Lana, Lana with hers. Each of us has a divine assignment. And I find great comfort in understanding that when I heal my mind about what appears to be happening in form, I am doing the work for everyone because we are one. So um, I think it's perfect that Rich and I are together because we both support and challenge each other and there's enough support that we always get through the challenges but that's the divine assignment in this relationship and um, I'm finding I'm, I'm no I'm not about Pollyanna I'm really about doing the stuff you've been teaching us which is identifying it attachments and understanding that I can choose to suffer or I can choose to bless so I've had a lot of fun seriously Blessing all the people that are working here, 
blessing the people who've made mistakes, sending love and light to everybody that um, is, is involved in this process in any way, because this is our assignment. It's not any better or any worse than anybody else's. It's just our assignment. And I think that lesson one in A Course in Miracles, um, nothing I see means anything. And two, I have given everything I see all the meaning it has for me. So that allows me to go back and heal at the level of mind and identify that I have choice. And I have choice about everything. So that's the part that feels so um, attractive because I feel like shit when I make a bad choice and when I am in judgment and I feel absolutely blissful right now because we're doing this right now. I've spoken. (laughs) it's wonderful to have you both in our class as an example of living life well and being present being transparent and being compassionate with yourself and with each other moving through things yeah And as blissful as you are, Karen, I don't envy you moving house, packing up, taking things down off the wall. You didn't have my vision. My vision <laughs> was to do this. This is a gift I'm giving myself. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't say, oh, I need to clean out my closets and I need to unload and I need to give away and it just blah, blah, blah. And I was there. And here I am doing what I was dreading doing, and now I've got a real good goal to go towards, and I made a decision at the beginning. I could wring my hands and say, oh, we're having to say goodbye. I'm not doing that. I'm just not interested in suffering anymore. I'm not. And last Thursday, I tore my meniscus, so I couldn't run the half marathon, Mm. and the decision I decided or made on Saturday night to not run was, I'm not going to run tomorrow, and that's really important. That's why I'm here in Oklahoma City this time of year for the memorial, and I'm not going to feel any regret about it tomorrow. And that was the end of that. And so when it feels challenging, I just say, Jesus, help me. And then that's it. That's it. Once I am willing to do that, it's gone. It's hard for you when I'm not there. Sorry, a very, uh, very loud jet just went right overhead. It was frightening, actually. I'm waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going. It feels very much like the Camino. I'm grateful for the practice because on Camino, you wake up, you're energized, you go outside, you have a lot of energy during the day, your energy begins to wane. By the end of the day, you're thinking, why am I doing this? This is so hard. And then you go to bed and you get up and you start all over again because deep down inside, you know it's 
the deep desire of your heart to be the light wherever you go and to just work for God, Inc. Thank you, Jennifer, very much. Yes. What did you say, Rich? I said the Camino is a piece of cake next to this. Oh, really. yeah. For me, she says. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because to me, that's the Camino is completely, it always has been. I can understand it might not be, you know, within my control. I know what exactly what to do. I know what my intention is. It's not my, it's not my issue. I, I might try to help others if they have difficulty, but nobody's imposing on me. This thing is like some guy comes in and screws up a job and I've got to try to figure it out. And, and, uh, you know, and so anyhow, it's, it's, it's a much bigger challenge. The Camino is physically challenging sometimes, but it's not, it's, <laughs> it's not this at all. I can walk 500 miles any day rather than <laughs> but you know, Jennifer, and some of you might know that I, I hit rock bottom when we were in New York with my daughter. Yes. I got the most delightful message from her last night. Um, we're looking forward to spending a lot of time together. That relationship is healed. It's in history. Uh, it's, you know, some of the issues come up, but, you know, they just come up again, the way issues come up to give me another chance to heal it at a different level. The, the fact is, is that in my experience for Rich, is that this is his this is his intensity mode. Nothing has gotten to him quite the way this has, and that's part of the healing. That's the purpose of this graduate level class we're taking together. I'm only here to heal you. I keep telling her, I'm here. God gave me this assignment so she could learn having to deal with a guy like me. And as soon as she gets over it, I'm free to do something else. I wish she'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can go and do something else, you know, but I'm here because God assigned me to give her a challenge so she could get over her problems. If she would just get over her problems, I'd be free. So, yeah. <laughs> but she won't yeah. do it. So I get to do Ho'oponopono a lot. And I'm, but you know, I love the prayer. I must have decided wrongly because I'm not at peace. Made the decision myself, but I can decide otherwise. And Holy Spirit will undo all consequences of my wrong decision. And all I have to do is get to the point where I say I made a mistake and do that prayer. And again, this stuff is, is deep healing. And I, I am grateful. Yes. Me too. <laughs> me too, me too, me too, me too. <laughs> That's a different run on the word me too. I like it. <laughs> well, I'm inviting everyone to contemplate in our next, uh, for our next class and to talk with your prayer partners about this, what you perceive as any feeling tone or vibration that you might see yourself recreating. Maybe you're not doing it anymore. Maybe you've done it in the past. Are there any vestiges of it? Let's look at this together. And, and let's pray for Rich and Karen, ease and grace all the way. Finding the freedom. And let's also pray for Jesse and Chris and Victor and Tony.
And if, if, if does anybody have anything they'd like to share before I close this out with a prayer? Lana? Well, Sheila's mom just had surgery yesterday. Okay. And uh, she's in a lot of pain and no mm-hmm. sleep last night for everybody. So I know it's a challenging time. Thank you. Yes, well, let's pray for Sheila and her mom as well. Robin? Jennifer, this isn't a a request, but it's a thank you to you and everyone that got the study buddies together because I just met with mine, and we just fell in love with each other. There's three of us, and it was just so amazing and beautiful. And so I thank you so much. I just It's going to make the workbooks. It's already started making the workbooks come alive for me. I mean, it was so juicy and great. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you can thank uh, Angela and Linda Soto yes. and Gifford. Yes, 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 everyone. Everyone, thank you so much. Wonderful. Yes, and if you're not participating in that and you'd like to, you you can let Angela or Linda know. Ah, we're spiraling upward. We are, we are. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude together. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and minds to the healing that we are calling forth. We're calling forth healing for every single one of us. Calling forth the healing for Rich, for Elena, for Jesse and Chris and Tony and Victor, for Sheila and her mom. We're calling upon the higher Holy Spirit self to assist each and every one of us to raise our vibration, to release all attachments, to see things clearly, to know and feel clearly the wholeness that is ours here and now, the unconditional joy that is ours here and now. We are grateful and thankful to cultivate self-compassion. We are grateful and thankful to allow ourselves to relinquish the habits, beliefs, and patterns of the past and to stand in the light here and now. We are grateful to share the benefits of our healing, our expansion, our clarity with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful and so thankful to be lifted up here and now. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 God bless. Thank you. Peace, everybody.